A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sports, where the action has moved about an hour and a half inland from Mount Monganui to Hamilton, a city associated with the colour beige, in this part of the world at least. I think that's a little bit harsh. It reminds me of, I don't know, Seven Oaks. Anyway, uh, and by the way, my family come from Seven Oaks, so I'm not dissing that part of the world. Um, aside from that, though, we're here to talk about the second test match gets underway this time tomorrow. And there's uh, been one or two um, moments of upheaval just mentioned in the press conference. We'll discuss that and plenty more. You're listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport. Seven Oaks, Hamilton, do you think? Good comparison? No, I, well, I don't know Seven Oaks, first of all. It's like Hamilton. That's <laughs> OK. Uh, I think Hamilton's lovely. I don't know why people are slightly sniffy about it. I think it's genuinely beautiful. Hey, hang on. You described the Coromandel as lovely to me the other day. Now, are you comparing Hamilton with the Coromandel? No, but there's lots of different types of beauty, aren't there? But I tell you that, I've been for a run each morning along the river and it's 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 utterly beautiful. It's perfection. Mm, great. Um, I don't think it's a bad spot, by the way. I've had a couple of lovely days here popped along to the, uh, the, the botanical gardens and uh, yeah very picturesque I'm only saying what reputation it's got in this country yeah, by the way yeah. anyway uh, they are they are very spoiled okay so here we are anyway at Seddon Park in Hamilton the majestic Hamilton the pitch 24 hours out from the game well it's looking very different from 24 hours ago when it was green with apparently a little bit of a a brown splurge in the middle. Now uh, a little bit browner than we saw in Mount Monconui or or quite similar. What's your reading of it? Oh, really unusual. It looks uh, like... So yesterday it looked like a pitch three days out and today Mm. it looks like a pitch two days out. It it looks oddly damp uh, and I wonder whether it's probably a a bowl first wicket. But, you know, local knowledge and, you know, look at the scores would suggest that it's a pretty decent batting wicket. But I do wonder if there might be a little bit there in the first hour or two. I'm sure they know what they're doing. But if you saw that, well, uh, yeah, I was a bit surprised by it. Should we have a little look? Sure. A little saunter over and see how we get shouted at and told to move. That won't happen here, will it? No, I don't think it will. It'll just be a tut. Uh, and a uh, reproachful look from the sidelines. Uh, we've just been in the pre- Joe Root press conference. Joss Butler, um, a doubt at this stage for the test match. 
that's not ideal, is it? Because, you know, there's no Johnny Bairstow. And if he's not to play, it'll be Ollie Pope, I guess, moving down to seven or staying at six. Um, yeah, moving down to seven, maybe Crawley coming in. Uh, I suppose it calls into question the wisdom of not bringing Bairstow, although it's easier to be to say that in hindsight. Well, Ollie Pope has kept for England Lions. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have seen him keep, and I, I think it's quite a big ask for him. But he's a young guy at the start of his career, and that's what these tours are all about. It's not in the Test Championship. It's definitely not ideal, uh, very unfortunate, although you, you will note that very few people tweak their backs in the pub. Um, and I think that they've got two options. They could either bring in Crawley, or, or Root just hinted that they might look at bringing in Wokes instead, uh, which I suppose would ease the burden on the bowlers if they think it's going to be very flat, uh, whether you need five seamers. I don't know. After all the overs they bowled the other day, perhaps you do. But those are the two options, Crawley or Wokes. I always find it a little strange. I know this sounds like a bit of a stupid thing to say, but you know, you can have four bowlers, five bowlers or six bowlers. At the end of the day, only one can bowl at one time. So it would be a little stranger if, to bring in Wokes but then I suppose that they could also see it as a little strange to bring in another debutant uh, into that batting order so uh, not ideal well they, you know you do have to accept that, that some of these guys have bowled a lot of overs in the last few days you mm. know that Joffre bowled 42 in an innings and so it might mean if you bought in Wokes who let's remember does have a test century to his name um, that those bowlers could be used a bit more sparingly and uh, I, look I can see the logic in it I, I, the obvious um, replacement is Crawley, no doubt about it. And he looks, by the way, terrific in training. I mean, it's really unusual that a county player turns up and they have the levels of fitness expected of the England guys. And he has, he's looked really fit. When we saw him running yesterday, they were running around the outfield and it was pretty obvious he had to slow down to not look bad, make the captain look bad, didn't he? And he ran like a stag. Uh, and he actually looked fitter than pretty much everyone bar Stokes, which is very unusual. Yep, I agree. Let's have a little listen to what Joe Root had to say in the press conference. Um, once again, stressing the fact that there's been a lot of hard work put in behind the scenes. I think all the guys are aware of it. I think it's very simple. You look at where the game was won and lost. There's two key areas and you know we got them in a position with the ball where we, we could have gone on and um, exploited them four down. It take a couple of chances there and it looks very different, but also first innings feel like another 100 runs on the board makes that a very different scenario when they come to bat so of course you look at the second innings and absolutely we should have got through that but we've got to learn we've just got to keep learning keep putting the work in like we are doing behind the scenes um, and have a bit more trust in our our techniques um, the way we play individually um, and just remember more than anything that there's more than one way to bat time uh, everyone's way of method of doing it is very different. It's a, it's a common kind of message that he's very keen to push out there, isn't it, Root? He did it again yesterday. He's done it many, many times. Very, very... Um, he seems quite... It seems to be quite... Uh, it seems quite keen to get that message out. The team are really working hard. But I've sat in a lot of press conferences as of you. At the end of the day, A, they should be working hard, but B... When it comes down to shot selection, um, scoring runs, taking wickets, you know, is that is that really enough? Is that really what we want to be hearing? Does it really make any difference? Well, I think it probably is what we ought to be hearing up to a point, and they, they, there's no doubt about it. They do work very hard. Look, the, the problem with all these 
situation. So the problem, if, if you sacked Root tomorrow and replaced him with anyone you can think of, the underlying issues would still be the same, which is that the county game, for reasons which aren't really its fault, is finding it very hard to deliver people who are ready for test cricket. And, you know, I don't want to bore people by going into those reasons again, but the schedule is poor. The dominance of white ball cricket is overwhelming. We haven't prioritised test cricket for a long time and it's coming back to bite us. Uh, and, of course, conditions here are very, very different. Well, conditions here, conditions in England are different to everywhere in the world. I totally agree with what you're saying, but I also feel that they're not exactly prioritising long ball cricket in this part of the world either, and they're doing OK for themselves. Um, Ross Taylor was speaking today. Let's have a little listen to something he said that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, definitely, um, definitely the best it's ever been in, in my in my career. I think um, you know. I think when I first started out, I thought when we had a guy on debut, we sort of hoped um, that the player would do well. And you know, I think now we uh, we expect the player to do well, and I think that's a good place to be. Daryl Mitchell is going to make his uh, test debut in this uh, test match, and Ross Taylor very interesting then. As far as I was uh, concerned, asked, you know, is, is the mood within the camp now as good as it's ever been? He said yes. A little bob, maybe, to the Brendan McCullen years. And, of course, the time Mike Hessen sacked him. But it was what he said after that that interested me. When players make their debut, we expect them to succeed. Whereas in the past, we hoped they would. If you look at England, I don't think over the last four or five years, we've expected any of the debutants to succeed. Um, there's a few I have expected to succeed and a few who have actually done, you know, retrospectively now. You look back, they haven't done so badly. I mean, I thought Sam Robson was a good pick. If I'm honest, I thought Gary Balance was a good pick and did kind of OK, didn't he, for a while anyway. Um, and actually, I think, Dom's, I, I, you know, I agree with them picking Dom Sibley. I mean, it's... You Do you know what I mean, though? I mean, when, there's, when yeah. say, Tom Wesley's start, uh, made his debut, to pluck one name out there, back, um, Adam Lythe. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been so many players. The simple, tr- the simple truth of the matter is, over the last four or five years, there's been very few players that have actually got in that side and they have made, an, made, made the position their own. The last, the last batsman to come in and really nail it might well be Root. So. Well, exactly. And how long ago was that? Five years ago? 2012. He came in, um, wasn't it, in that test in Nagpur? Was that yeah. 12 or 14? It was 12, wasn't it? Yeah, 12. Uh, so the, the series that England won in India. Um, so are, why is that? Well, there are a lot of reasons. And one of them is we've allowed a huge gap to um, be created between the domestic and international games, particularly the, uh, the championship in test cricket. Um, but isn't that the case here as well? You know, they've just cut the Plunkett Shield, the domestic tournament, down to about five games. I think well, not quite five games. They've essentially cut it in half. Yeah, that, but they've they, stopped playing now. They're playing white ball cricket for the solid, for the holiday period. Yeah, that, well, well, a couple of things there. New Zealand's terrific in lots and lots of ways. It's an amazing country. You know, we, we re- expect them to be among the best rugby teams in the world. And this is a country of four million people. It's phenomenal. And where are they? They're second in the Test Championship at present. India are first, 1.5 billion in India, 4 million in New Zealand, or whatever it is. Um, They're they're extraordinary, but but they also play with a kookaburra ball. Now, I don't don't want England to play with a kookaburra ball in domestic cricket because I find the Dukes more entertaining. But the fact is that they're very, very different conditions from county to test, as I say. And maybe they're a little bit more similar in New Zealand. But but, uh, also there are other things that maybe we could learn from New Zealand. I think the media in England are very difficult. I don't really go on about this very much, but how many players have uh, succeeded, thrived in England since the birth of social media? And I do think that the English 
press pack, well-meaning though we are, it is, you, you see uh, in young players, you see the terror of when they start doing press conferences and the questions they're asked. And I know that we all wish them well, actually. You know, you, you never of want course, to, yeah. You, you never want a player yeah, yeah. To, to fail. But the fact is, they are picked apart on Sky and in the papers and online. Uh, picked apart, maybe with the best of intentions. Maybe, maybe not, you know, we don't actually necessarily want them to read what we're writing. And you have to tell the truth, obviously. But it must be desperately difficult to see your game, your character sometimes, if you think of the way Nick Compton has talked about, uh, ripped apart by pundits. And then you have this sort of existential crisis and you're coming to terms with that. And honestly, I think that's been a huge issue. I could go through quite a few players. I, I totally agree. I think it's a great point. You know, I was watching Keaton Jennings. I'm not sure if it was last season or the season before. And essentially he got out another horrible cross-batted uh, effort. He, he looked terrified. He looked, you know, he looked terrified towards the end of his, his time. And he's one he, of, he wasn't terrified of the ball. He was terrified of failure. He was terrified of letting people down. Exactly. Letting, letting he's a good guy. The perception of letting his family down, which of course he never would, but that is the worry yeah, that um, we're, we're putting too much pressure on them. And I don't know what the solution is. Listen, I, when Trotty made his comeback, I get on pretty well with Trotty, and I thought it was great that he was picked again. And I knew he was screwed after a ball mm. uh, because of the way he played it. And I, I, you know, I, with, with, uh, it was... Oh, I don't know. It hit me like a slap in the face. Oh, my God, he's in trouble uh, because of the way he played it. And I spoke to him later and he said, I just couldn't stop looking up at the media box and seeing all those people who were looking down on me, judging me, judging me all the time. And, and, I'm, and it's inevitable. And I don't know how we get them used to it. I do actually have a few ideas, but um, it, it's very, very difficult for them to come to terms with, particularly the gap in that from county cricket, where if you're lucky, you have one local reporter who very much wishes you well and doesn't give the level of scrutiny that you have here compared to what you have when you get to international cricket, which is brutal. I, that's a brilliant point, I, and I'm glad that our conversation has strayed onto this because, you know, very Dom, Dominic Sibley, for instance, now I saw him play a handful of times for Surrey, and then I haven't seen him play for about four years or three, three years, two years, <laughs> however long it's been since he went to Warwickshire. But essentially, I'm watching him now like I've never seen him before. It's completely different from a call-up to rugby national team or the England football team where you've seen these guys and girls week in, week out. Now, Tom Wesley, a couple of years ago, was given his debut for England, right? Now, I won't mention the journalist's name, but there was a journalist, uh, and a good journalist as well, who didn't have a vested interest in him doing well, but certainly was passionately um, and indelibly committed to Wesley because he'd seen him play, done an interview with him in, re, before he got called up. He wanted him, beyond being a journalist, to succeed. To succeed. So when Wesley came out to bat, just made it a little bit more interesting because I was watching this guy watch, watching on, and I hadn't seen Tom Wesley bat. This is the way of the world. We don't have enough time, a lot of us cricket correspondents, and I know you may buck the trend in this regard, and of course some of the other guys in the press pack do get to go around, but when I'm not watching England, I'm often working on other projects. But essentially I'm watching Tom Wesley for the first time. Gets off the mark, nice clip off the legs for four or something. Um, that's right, I think he advanced down the track and then played across the line, gets off the mark. Anyway, got to about 13 or 14 and then he edged behind or to, into the slip cordon. This journalist, obviously really upset, you know, upset, I suppose, got up off his seat, walked up the steps alongside me at the Oval, and as he walked past me, he just caught my eye and he said, well, 
it was obvious he was always going to get out that way and off he went and I just thought wow what is essentially happening here is this guy has got a problem playing into the offside nobody knows it because nobody watches county cricket apart from the guy who does watch him play county cricket and he knew what was going to happen and guess what Tom Wesley's career lasted about seven or eight test matches he was he was exposed at the top level and then and then off he goes and that and that for me is case in point maybe if there was as much spectacle or as much um interest and exposure on the county game actually the jump up a jump up that darren goff 20 years ago said is much bigger than what people in the county game actually expect and maybe that wouldn't be the wouldn't be so pronounced yeah, I, look, there's, partly it's a standard issue and partly it's a, a media or expectation issue. But all, all I would say is I do think it's the same in other sports. Uh, I think we've all seen England at major tournaments, England football team at major tournaments, look paralysed by a fear of failure and underachieved because we know that they're talented lads and, 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 and they haven't been able to do justice to their huge ability. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. OK, I'm going to bring it back to the point that Ross Taylor was saying about that they expect a player to succeed now. Now, compare and contrast with the England Test team and the England ODI side or the England T20 side. And let's look back to that five-match series that preceded this one. Now, there's probably... There was possibly one position as a batsman in that team ahead of the World T20. OK? 
Jason Roy, Johnny Bairstow, Owen Morgan, Ben Stokes, Joss Butler, Moeen Alley, and probably Joe Root, they're nailed on to go. So the likes of James Vince, uh, Tom Banton, uh, Joe Denley, who got injured, and Darvin Milan went into that series knowing, end of, they had to nail it to get into that side. And Milan nailed it and he will get into that side or the squad. This test side is a underperforming side. It's a very different mentality. Isn't that as much to blame for the fact that we don't necessarily expect debutants to actually succeed because they're coming into a side where the standard is an eight, nine out of 10 in every single position and you're, you know you've got to absolutely nail it to get another chance. The England team that went to number one in the world rankings had four men in the top seven who scored centuries on test debut, I think. Off the top of my head, Cook did, Strauss did, Trotty did. Pryor did. And Pryor did. And Bell and KP both got 50s on their debut. Meanwhile, Anderson got a fifer. Swan got two wickets at his first over. You know where I'm going with this. I'm basically saying county cricket used to prepare players better for the jump up. Now, the media thing is difficult. But hang on, but did it, though? Because well, yeah, we were rubbish proof. in the 90s and in the 80s. That, that team there, was it... I mean, I'm not slamming county cricket here. I'm just testing the theory because that actually backs what I'm saying. Jonathan Trott was given his debut in the fifth test match at the Oval in the Ashes. He came into a side ahead of Mark Ramprakash on recall um, and a couple of other big scoring individuals and he knew he had to nail it. He had to nail it because he wasn't going to get in ahead of Cook. He wasn't going to get in ahead of Strauss. He wasn't going to get in ahead of Bell. He wasn't going to get ahead of uh, KP. Flintoff was batting at seven or six, can't remember. And to be honest, probably wasn't going to get ahead of Collingwood. Maybe he was. But that's the point. He had to succeed. It's a mentality thing as well as a county championship thing. I, I think we, in, in those years though, so you talk about the 80s and 90s, county cricket was played by a lot of chubby fellas in the 80s. And it really was. I loved it. Uh, you know, happy days. But there was not a lot of peril. You know, there weren't two divisions. It wasn't four-day cricket. There was quite a lot of um, declaration cricket, mm. quite a lot of soft cricket. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say there wasn't very good cricket as well, of course there was. But it wasn't as uh, intense and hard enough. So the, the advent of two divisions of four-day cricket at the turn of the century did create the best quality county cricket I've ever seen. And we took it very seriously and we made sure the best players played and we made sure that it had some integrity and importance and, um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the players produced in that managed to make the transition to international level much better. Now, there, there have been some players who've done... All, I mean, Keaton, Jennings got 100 on test debut. He was dropped on naught, fair play, but he did get 100 on test debut. But it was more then that the opposition started to eat away at the faults in his game yeah. and also the media. I'm not, I'm not blaming the media. I mean, I'm very much part of it. Um, started to eat away at his confidence. And there were reasons for him not to have competence. I, I remember John Inverity always used to say competence breeds confidence. And I do wonder sometimes if we've tried to invert that. And, you know, if some players, they don't work on their te technique that much. They more work on uh, see ball, hit ball, feeling good, going out there, feeling good. 
I think unless you've got a really good technique, unless you're really competent, eventually that will come back and bite you. And I think that's a factor as well. So I do think it's a combination of things. Mm. But I, I'm always going to say, get the county game right and the rest will follow. And we've treated the county game with contempt. And because of that, I think it's, it's struggling through no fault of its own to deliver as we want it to. Good stuff, man. Hey, look, we did say we we're going to just come over to the pitch. So, yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts? It gets better every time I look at it. Uh, they do things differently here, and that's, you know, they know best. So it looks quite green. It looks quite damp. I still think it, 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 a brave, maybe idiot, <laughs> foolhardy captain might insert. I, I'd be tempted to. Um, but, you know, the job of opening batsman is to see off the new ball, which might be tricky for 20 overs, and then bat, bat, bat. So what happened in Mount Monganui is that England actually gave New Zealand the best opportunity to bat because they should have batted for two days when they won the toss. And maybe it'll be the same here. If you can get through to lunch on the first day, I suspect it'll flatten down and be a very good wicket for batting. But it, it is unusual looking. Do you, I'll be honest, it, uh, this is, I'm not being critical of them at all. I'm really not. I'm just saying it looks a bit like you'd expect a club wicket to look in England. But we are still almost we're 20 hours away or something from the game uh, it is drying out they know what they're doing here you know they just do it a bit differently and it'll be very interesting to see it has been very very hot here for the last few days as well so maybe they're just get, getting as much moisture on it uh, ahead of the match and it has changed color remarkably from uh, from yesterday so uh, we can expect again tomorrow although saying that before this match or before the series ian smith uh, very, very certain that Matt Monganui would go five days and this would be a result pitch inside four. So uh, the man usually knows what he's talking about. We'll find out. But I'm looking forward to this. It's be good. I did see one of the worst chess matches of all time here, 2008. Uh, can you remember it? Kevin Peterson stepped off the field after scoring 35 or something from about 100 deliveries and said it was the toughest examination of his batting he'd ever had. Didn't Ryan Sipodham get a hat-trick? He did. I've got it on video somewhere. Wait, wait, there. Is that not the only time England have won in New Zealand this century? Were you, were you down on that series? You're down on Hamilton. What's the matter with you? In I, I, no, I, I like Hamilton. I like Seven Oaks. I'm just saying. In this part of the world, apparently, the the uh, local tourist board came up with a kind of uh, uh, a catchphrase. Um, for Hamilton to try and promote it within the country because it's much derided and the catchphrase was Hamilton there's more than you think well, listen I live in central Birmingham this place so I, I, as I say I go for the run along the river and every step of it smells of sweet peas and agapanthus and honeysuckle we, we're in paradise this is lovely <laughs> it's seven oaks <laughs> Anyway, we'll continue this in the pub and uh, hopefully you'll join us tomorrow following day one of the second test match. Uh, you can uh, review, subscribe on Acast, iTunes and Spotify. You're listening to the following on podcast. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, 
the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 